Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are. Thanks for holding out the couple of extra hours. Sorry if I put anyone out starting at the later time. I will explain everything, as always. But I'm glad you could make it if you did. If you didn't, well, get the fuck out and never come back. Never, ever come back. No, I don't mean that. I need you to come back. I really don't have that many fans. Please come back. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Pretty please? Will you come back? Pretty please? Skull! Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us and welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. I am Boogie Bubba, your host. Uh, It's probably going to be another little bit of a lengthy one today because we've got so much ground to cover on this Wednesday edition of the show. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you. Thank you for uh, hanging out for the last couple of hours. I'm really sorry. I have to explain why I didn't go live at 6pm like normal, the usual time. Um... Basically, my sleep schedule over the last three days has been completely foobarred. And if I had have gone live at 6pm, I would have been on like my... I would have gone about two and a half days on around three hours sleep. Which probably isn't good. So, I'm happy to report though, I did manage to get a four hour chunk. It's probably more like three and a half. A three and a half hour chunk of actual legitimate sleep before tonight's show. So thank you for your patience. I appreciate it. Sorry, I know I'm being a snowflake. And then after this show, I'm going back to work. So, <laughs> so thank you for waiting the extra couple of hours. Uh, if, you're, if you're not able to join us live, obviously you're listening to this on podcast or on the replay. Uh, you suck, man. You suck. You should have been here probably just for the people that are here live um if you'd like to become a supporter of the show please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player and of course if you would like to berate me about showing up late then you can do so by following me on twitter at boogie bumper if you'd like to leave a tip during the show if you'd like to throw a little bit of love in my tip jar then i welcome of course i work for tips so I welcome your tips. Um, please head over to dlive.tv slash boogie bumper. Grab yourself some lemons and slip them into my fruit bowl. Be most appreciated. Um, thank you to the people who have signed up on DLive. Tonight's show is going to be, you know, the reasons that uh, myself, James, have, you know, been pushing the DLive, trying to get people over to DLive uh, for our collective audiences. And the reason that a whole bunch of people have been moving to DLive. A whole bunch of content creators have been pushing DLive recently over the last month at least. Uh, It's going to be self-evident by the time we get to the end of tonight's show. A lot of ground to cover. Yet another free speech show. I actually just changed the title like five minutes before I went live. I was going to focus more on the current shit show, the current circus in the Judiciary um, Committee in Congress and as as well 
uh, Horowitz testifying in the Senate. And we, we are going to play a little bit of, of each of those because I'm going to follow up on James's earlier Periscope. He absolutely nailed it. What's happening? Um, it was funny just if I can spend a minute on the Senate hearing with uh, Inspector General Horowitz, if I can just be boring for a moment before we get into the juicy stuff. And I'll probably offend people later tonight as well with an executive order that Donald Trump signed in the last uh, in the last six hours. We're going to touch on that as well. So stick around if you want to feel offended. <laughs> I do. I, I do have this pathological urge in me. Uh, every three months or so, I do feel the need to offend large sections of my own audience. Just that's the kind of guy I am. If I'm in a room where everybody's agreeing about everything 100% of the time, I feel uneasy. My asshole starts puckering. I'm like, and I look to I look to other people. I'm like, hang on, hang on. We've all been standing in this room. We've all been standing at this dinner party, and we all agree with each other all the time. Are you sure we're not missing something? You know what I mean? Like, where is the where is the voice of disapproval? Where is the debate? Where is the person raising a point of privilege? Surely we can't all be right about everything 100% of the time. There has to be something that we're missing here. So it makes me uneasy to be in a room full of people who constantly agree about everything. So today, like I said, once every three months or so, call it a, uh, you know, a slow moving male menstruation moment. So I'm going to have my little once every three months session today and offend large sections of my own audience. It has to be done. It has to be done. <laughs> Pinochet says, I come here specifically to be offended. Good. You won't be disappointed. Actually, this is the problem. I think you'll, out of all the people here, you'll probably agree with me more than anyone else. <laughs> so we will get into that. Uh, we're going to get into what's happening over on YouTube. Uh, the YouTube, the hashtag that was trending on YouTube, which has just been hijacked now by a whole bunch of people posting K-pop videos, which I'm really getting fucking sick of. I don't know if you've noticed that on Twitter recently. Every hashtag now that's a successful one, give it, you know, a few hours. And then when you go to that hashtag, you'll only see these unknown, um, barely talented K-pop singers and people posting about how much they love these K-pop singers. And, you know, I'm not a fan of censorship. I'm not a fan of deplatforming. But if we could collectively come up with some kind of strategy to keep K-pop in Korea, then I would be most most pleased. Because I'm kind of sick of, like, looking for things on a hashtag, looking at these trending topics and just seeing... No, I can't do it. Fuck you, Korea. How about that? <laughs> keep your shitty music where it belongs. In the 1980s. Um, so let's start, shall we, with what's happening right now. This is not good. This is not good. Before we get into it, oh, I've lost my train of thought already. I better have another sip of Smart Juice, a.k.a. Australian beer. Hang on a moment. Mmm. Beautiful. Today I'm drinking Bee's Knees, which is a honey-infused wheat beer. You may now call me a homosexual, but it's delicious. So I was watching the Senate hearings. We'll do the congressional hearing first, but earlier today I was watching the Senate hearings and I, I by the way, I've got the sounds turned on for 
um, the tips if people people leave tips on DLive. So you let me know if it gets too annoying and I'll turn the sound off. All the different tips have a different sound associated to it. So the higher up you go, the more extravagant the sound gets. It's more to make me know that I'm not missing people so I can say thank you. So thank you for the ice cream, Ducks Regals. Um, so I was watching the Senate hearings and it's it's plainly obvious to me that generally most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, the Senate appears to be a less hyper-partisan environment. It seems to be less combative. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you for the diamond. I'm glad that worked. I, I bet that's going to annoy a lot of people, though. <laughs> Thank you for the diamond, Adbar. Um, so I, I, the Senate appears to be a less hyper-partisan environment, more open to genuine discussion and genuine debate most of the time. The Kavanaugh hearings were a farce, but we'll put that to one side. So today I was watching... Um, Inspector General Horowitz answer questions from both Republicans and Democrats. Lindsey Graham, if you're if you've been a long-time listener of this show, you should know by now that I'm no fan of Lindsey Graham. And actually to the point where any time on Trust and Verify that I co-host with my comrade from Hawaii, James R, anytime Lindsey Graham's name comes up, he gives me this look like, oh <laughs> here we go. Boogie's about to go on another Lindsey Graham grant uh, rant. So I'm no fan of Lindsey Graham. But uh, today he was allocating extra time to Democrats to ask questions. Uh, he was taking extra time. It was all very give and take. Nothing like what you've seen in the House of Congress over the last few weeks where Jerry Nadler seems to be bashing his gavel into into the desk for no, for no foreseeable reason whatsoever, just because he likes the sound of wood on wood, perhaps. I'm not sure. It was a very different environment. And what is painfully clear is, first of all, uh, there was about 150 people watching the broadcast that I was watching with IG Horowitz testifying in front of the Senate committee. And right now there are 3,000 people watching the broadcast I'm watching in the House impeachment debate. So that should tell you something. There were moments today where the Democrats say Senator Leahy and Senator Feinstein, when asking questions of IG Horowitz, appeared to be visibly shaken by the answers that they were getting back. This was not... I mean, we, we identified on this show on Monday what the plan was going to be. The plan was going to be they have to present a story where Donald Trump was wrong and there was just a few mistakes along the way and the main thing to take out of it is there's no bias therefore we're in the clear so the democrats were obviously focusing on this line of questioning because they have to that's the story that they're trying to sell to not only the american public but the rest of the world is watching this now this has got everybody's attention and it fell pretty flat on its face i put out a tweet earlier today and said something to the effect of the attempt to turn this into Donald Trump was wrong and there was just a few mistakes by the corporate media has become the number one PR disaster of the 21st century. I can't think of anything that has failed more dismally. A few days after this report has been released, it's now boomeranging. It's now coming back. Let me go right now. 
crying on Thank you, Word Smiter. That's very generous of you. The Ninja Genie. Thank you very much. It's now boomeranging. It's now coming back on them. Which was always going to be the case when we actually delved into the bulk of the detail, right? I mean, you know, we were talking about there were reports coming out 15 minutes after the release of this report already telling us that there's nothing to see here. Please avert your eyes, children. Go back to bed. Plainly ridiculous. Obviously ridiculous. So whilst the Democrats were focusing on this line of questioning that there's no bias, there's nothing to see here, please go back to bed. On one occasion, Mr. Uh, Senator Leahy asked Mr. Horowitz about this and he Leahy was trying to tie the no bias argument to the entirety of the investigation. To which Mr. Horowitz said, no, what we found was there was no bias in how the investigation started, but that doesn't mean we're not that doesn't mean that there wasn't bias later on. And you could see Senator Leahy take a double a double take. In other words, as the process kept going and as exculpatory evidence came to light, as the FBI and the people involved in this process disregarded the exculpatory evidence, as they hid exculpatory evidence, as they manufactured evidence to present to the FISA court in order to maintain what uh, IG Horowitz eventually referred to as illegal surveillance. Illegal surveillance, that's a quote from him in the hearing. As this process went on, IG Horowitz then said... um, we are not we can't make an assessment on the motivations or any bias he actually said something to the effect of we can prove we we say that there was no bias in the beginning of the investigation but later on with the Pfizer warrants uh that question becomes a lot more complicated <laughs> so you could see the democrats in the hearing this was not what they wanted to hear for a whole bunch of reasons. And I suspect this story is going to continue to snowball. It's going to be yet another example, another thing that we can put on the pile of Democrat own goals, of Democrats attempting to point the rhetorical shotgun at their opponents and eventually putting it in their own mouth and pulling the trigger. Spraying Pfizer warrant on the wall behind them in blood and brain bits, right? So before we get to that, because I have identified a couple of little moments that I think I need to bring to you because I think it's important. Uh, Before we get to that, though, the House Judiciary Committee is debating the articles of impeachment, the shit show run by Jerry Nadler, the frail old man who doesn't appear to know anything about the committee that he's leading or the rules which pertain to it. Uh, (laughs) They're now having a little, little discussion about this. And I just managed to see a couple of mim- uh, minutes of uh, Mr. G- Mr. Gowdy, I nearly called him, uh, Doug Collins. So I thought I'd play a little bit and see how this is going. Thank you for joining us. You're on the Daily Boogie. Mr. Chairman. The volume will get louder in a minute or two. It's their fault. Amazing. For some reason, for some reason, the most powerful government on earth with the most powerful, robust economy on earth can't afford to invest in people who understand how to set up fucking microphones. It really annoys me. They spend... They, Donald Trump was talking about spending $700 billion on the military, but I could get a, a better sound setup in this room for 50 bucks. 
You give me 50 bucks, you pay for the material, I'll rig it all up and we'll never have these situations where people's mics aren't working or you can't hear them or there's this constant, this sound going over everything all the time. Who the fuck is organising the sound in these hearings? Is it an intern? Come on, man. <laughs> it's not that hard. I guess at worst that we come to quote a um, solemn and amazing moment. We've been on this path since November 2016. This is not new. We've been trying this um, for almost three years if you're a majority member of this party. The only thing that has changed is the opportunity from last November when you became the majority. The only thing that changed <coughs> in your desire to impeach this president was that you became the majority. And we have spent all year in this committee trying to impeach the president. We have occasionally had markups on bills, <laughs> most of which... Word smiter. Word smiter in the chat. The Iwan brothers got fired, Boogie. <laughs> that's, why we, that's why the mics are fucked. <laughs> Fantastic. Comment in the chat from Sebastian. Uh, this is sad. Our country is so divided. Uh, I've, I've, I know, I know you, you're, you're a good uh, listener, Sebastian. So I'm not having a go at you, but I have, I have made this point before. Countries, when it comes to politics, countries are always divided. That's the point of an election: is to divide people. The problem is, it's not so much that the country is divided, it's that the election is still living on for the Democrats. The Democrats are still in 2016 election. During an election, a country becomes divided, and it's divided down lines of who people want to vote for, what people's ideals are, what people's morals are, what people's principles are, what people want, right? So the whole point of an election is to divide people up and count the, the the division and then sort out who should lead the country. But generally what happens is after that election process, we don't talk about the election that just happened anymore. That election is now in the history books and we move forward and we look forward to the next election. So that division is always there, but it's most pronounced when people are in election mode thinking. The problem here is because for the last three years, we've heard nothing but the 2016 election and investigations into the 2016 election. People haven't had a chance to recover. People haven't had a chance to break out of the division mode. And they're constantly divided because half of the country says uh, 2016 is over and we need to, need to move on. The other half of the country says uh, we're only divided because of what happened in 2016. So I, I know you get it. I was just, I, sometimes I use comments as a launch pad to explain things. So I appreciate your comments, of course. They cannot even go forward in the Senate, most of which that do not address any issue that we've talked about. But it is amazing to me that we're taking it now as such a solemn oath that we've made up something to now come to this point to say, this is very, very solemn, so, like see? it jumped up and snuck up How on am you. I supposed to the, manage the with holiday this? season. It doesn't jump up and sneak up on you when you've been expecting it the whole time. And that's what we've been doing. What has been amazing to me was, is some things that we have seen, so let's Let's take some perspective here for a little while. What has our committee, this great committee, come to? That's the question for us. Let's just take it for just a moment inside these impeachment hearings. This is our third. I'll count it into tomorrow for three. <laughs> Brett, three hearings. Brett Harris, I'm going to my hearing test. I'm sorry, it's not my fault. <laughs> and that's all we're having. What did we get out of those three hearings? 
We had a bunch of law professors, three of which who cannot stand the president, who cannot stand his voters, and cannot stand the fact that he's still in office, telling us why he should be impeached, and that inferences were okay to find impeachment. We had a hearing just two days ago from staff lecturing us on what's relevant and not relevant. People in DLive asking about lemons. If you want to buy lemons and uh, take a tip for the show, there's a button on your screen that says get lemons. So you can do it that way. Thank you for the ice cream. And uh, you can do it that way. And uh, like uh, Patience Wright said, um, Lino will accumulate in the chest. Lemons will accumulate in the chest. And at the end of the show, I'll throw some lemons in there as well. And at the end of the show, I'll open the chest and people, you might win. You might win a prize. So you can get paid on DLive just for watching streams. And again, we're going to get to the YouTube shit show after we get through this shit show. It's just a, it's just a, it's wall to wall shit shows tonight. I hope you're prepared. I hope you brought your hazmat suit and maybe some snorkeling goggles or something because you are going to be eyebrow deep in human shit and fecal matter tonight. Sounds appealing, doesn't it? Let's enjoy it. Let's dive in, shall we? And what they found in a report while the member that wrote the report hid in his closet somewhere, I guess, or in his office, not wanting to come face the questions of this committee. That should be abhorrent to everyone here. So let's think about what we've seen and what we've not seen. And again, Chairman Schiff is nowhere to be found. When we understand this, we look forward. Tonight it has started again. We talk about tearing down of national institutions and we start talking about putting our security at risk when tonight, even in the chairman's opening statement, we start with one of the most amazing takedowns I have ever seen. This is a point we made on this show when the Ukraine story first broke out. And I'm glad that somebody on the Republican side has actually taken it. I'm glad that Doug Collins is actually highlighting this as a problem because this isn't even about Trump and, you know, you like Trump, you hate Trump, couldn't give a fuck. I, I, more than uh, liking Donald Trump and more than hating Donald Trump, I like it when people point out obvious flaws in arguments and I hate it when people are disingenuous in argumentation. So when people come to me and say, well, Donald Trump is damaging the institutions, I w my first response is, can you please explain to me how leaking private phone conversations, if you're a member of the intelligence community, between Donald Trump and other world leaders, is that not harming institutions? How about using a Senate confirmation hearing to accuse a sitting judge of gang rape? You want to talk about harming institutions, then please, you have to talk about harming institutions. Not just say the word with nothing to back it up whatsoever. Get the fuck out of here. That's like, It's getting to the point now where I'm even disengaging from these kinds of arguments. Because you can now identify people when you're talking to them. Based on their cadence, based on the terms that they use, you can pretty much nail down where they're getting their info from. And there's nothing wrong with getting information from a whole a wide range of sources. I take in as much information as I can. And like through a process of osmosis, you know, and discernment, you try to filter out the shit and you try to you try to distill the stuff that matters. So I always recommend taking as much as you can from as many sources as you can, throw it all in the mix and see what spits out at the end. But when you're arguing with somebody who's only taking it from a very, very, very limited bunch of sources, you can identify that. 
in the words that they use and how they present their arguments. It's quite uncanny. They will they will just repeat things that they've heard. Donald Trump is damaging the institutions. Give me an example. Well, he's a racist. <laughs> and now I'm at the stage where I'm like, thank you for coming. Uh, if you'd like to take a number, your call is very important to us. We'll get back to you at a later time. Thank you so much. Because it's like, I, I there's nothing I can do for you. The information gap is so large that in order to fill your brain that doesn't want the information, we would have to sit you down clockwork orange style, pry your eyelids open and play Mozart whilst we try to tell you the rest of the story that you are conveniently ignoring. And I don't have it in me. I don't, I don't have another deprogramming in me at this age. So you're on your own. When they can't make their argument that the president pressured the, Mr. Zelensky, they then attack Mr. Zelensky and then say that he was pressured. When Mr. <laughs> Zelensky, on numerous occasions, he said, I have not been pressured. I'm not being used. I have no, the call was fine. I'm not paying pressure to do anything. It and would have been better if Doug Collins had to use the Ukrainian accent. No, there was no pressure. There was no push. I have not been pressured to do anything by Donald Trump. This is uh, fake news. How you say? This is how you say uh, fake news. This is no pressure, no push. No push, no pressure. He was pressured. When Mr. <coughs> Zelensky, on numerous occasions, he said, I have not been pressured. I'm not being used. I have no, the call was fine. I'm not paying pressure to do anything. Then here's what the majority is saying. The majority is saying Mr. Zelensky is a liar, and we in this body, the Democrats, are tearing down a world leader in the eyes of those that don't like him in his own country and Russia who is attacking him. <laughs> it's funny because it's so fucking obvious. <laughs> the irony here is so thick. It is climbing down my throat and choking my very lungs as we do this live stream right now. This is exactly the point I made. They are months, uh, weeks ago when this first kicked off, they are impeaching the guy for pressuring a world leader, the very same world leader who says he wasn't pressured. So in order to maintain this story, in order to go down this path, they have to infer that the world leader is lying. And they're worried about damaging the institutions when they are impeaching a president based on the fact that he pressured a world leader when the world leader says it didn't fucking happen. Shut up, Mr. Zelensky. What the hell do you know about your own mind? What the hell do you know about what was going on in your own head when you were talking to the president? Just because Mr. Zelensky comes out and says that there was no pressure doesn't mean that Mr. Zelensky wasn't pressured, you idiot. Yes, that's very good, Mr. L uh, Zelensky. But I think I know what's happening in your brain better than you do, sir. You're only a Ukrainian. And of course, the little the cherry on the top is uh, this only helps Russia, who doesn't like Mr. Zelensky. <laughs> it's fucking laughable. Think about that one for just a second. Let that sink in. When we can't make our case, we tear down, not only try to tear down the leader of the free world, President Trump, we're tearing down the newly elected leader of the Ukraine. <laughs> this is amazing to me. <laughs> it's amazing to all of us. You can't make worry. your case against the president because nothing happened. And when President Zelensky confirms nothing happened, we start tearing him down. I never thought we'd cross outside of the ocean to try and basically impugn 
the integrity of a world leader like we have been for the last... <laughs> Phil D'Angelo on YouTube. Winning TV, by the way, if you're not following Winning TV... Uh, my pal Phil, Phil D'Angelo, he's a Yankee, but don't let that, uh, don't hold that against him too much. Obviously, call him Yankee scum when baseball season is on. But for the rest of for the off season, he's a great guy. Um, <laughs> he's saying, don't worry, they, they'll accuse uh, Zelensky of being a Russian agent very soon. I, I believe it. I'm surprised they haven't already. They were accusing fucking Robert Mueller of being a Russian asset after the Mueller report came out. They'll accuse anybody of being a Russian asset. Rand Paul was a Russian asset. Do you remember that? <laughs> everybody's Russian. The meme of 2015, everybody's racist, has now become everybody's Russian. Isn't it great? Two hearings. We have also found other things that we have found in I our hope very vodka. minimal hearings here in this body is we have seen that other committees have used political vendettas against ranking members and others, including members of the press who are sitting here tonight. Clearly clever saying, Collins only has like a thousand followers on YouTube. Post on his page, he reads them. Uh, don't worry, he'll be banned from YouTube by the end of the week, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> we'll get to that later on, but thank you for the info. By putting phone records in, naming names. <laughs> I mean, you talk about getting even. We put names Mr. Nunez, Mr. Solomon, others on those four numbers that we looked at. And nobody would own up to it. Mr. Goldman, Mr. Schiff, of course, wasn't here. But even Mr. Goldman wouldn't own up to who said to do that when they could have simply put in the record. Congressman one, Congressman two, reporter one. No, they got what they wanted. They got their drive-by. They got their political smear. That's the record being built in Judiciary Committee. Yep. Not a record of facts against this president. A record of a Democratic Party who's lost all moorings of fairness and good taste. That's what we're seeing here. And we can have all the flowery opening statements tonight we want, but they can't get away from that fact. There you go. Well said. It is pretty hideous what's been going on there. Uh, I did want to get to this, the IG report. First, let me bring up this article from NPR, Fair and Balanced. Fair and balanced. DOJ, DOJ Inspector General tells Congress his report does not vindicate anybody. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll say again, this is the known right-wing conspiracy website, NPR. <laughs> you remember yesterday we played the clip of James Comey saying he, he was gaslighting the fuck out of everybody. Everybody watching. With a straight face. James Comey sat there and said, well, finally, the IG report comes out and we're all vindicated. It's about time. Remember, his poor old 89-year-old mother-in-law sitting in a care home, ladies and gentlemen. Well, James, I heard that your 89 frail mother-in-law in the care home was very concerned that you were going to jail. Yes, it was awful. It was awful. I had to tell her it's all lies, Anderson. It's all lies. Don't worry. Don't panic. Poor James Comey and his poor old mother-in-law. Yes, they literally talked about his mother-in-law on the show. So he was celebrating. He was doing victory laps. Yay! Vindication. Of course, it was a gaslighting operation. Of course, he was just telling you. He was just shoveling bullshit down your throat, hoping that you would lap it up. <laughs> but they did not lap it up. They did not like the taste of it. And they have now been spitting it out for the past 24 hours. 
The Justice Department's Inspector General Michael Horowitz testified before Senate Judiciary Committee on Wednesday about his report on the origins of the FBI's probe into the 2016 Trump campaign's possible ties with Russia. The 400-page-plus report released Monday found that the FBI had ample evidence to open its investigation despite allegations of political bias. Every single article you read on this starts the same way. Because, again, like we said, they need this to be the story. This needs to be the one that gets out there. But Horowitz told the panel, our review identified significant concerns concerns with how certain aspects of the investigation were conducted and supervised. He said the FBI failed to adhere to its own standards of accuracy and completeness when it filed applications under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, a.k.a. FISA, reg- <coughs> pardon me, regarding former Trump campaign aide Carter Age. The activities we found here don't vindicate anybody. Quote. Do you remember after the Mueller report came out and Donald Trump said, well, this vindicates me, and the corporate press said, this doesn't vindicate anyone. What the hell are you talking about? There's no vindication here. There's no exoneration here. People need to stop lying about Donald Trump being vindicated in the Mueller report. Do you remember that? Here, the guy who wrote the Inspector General report is coming out and saying, this report indicates nobody, end quote. And CNN and MSNBC are having people like James Comey and Andrew McCabe and Clapper come on saying the exact opposite and not challenging them, uh, not challenging them one bit. Just allowing that conversation to flow out there. Because they are partisan activist hacks who need that talking point to be the talking point. And don't worry, in a month or so, these will be the only channels left on YouTube. And we will get to that. So that's the only story you'll get to hear. He said in a response to a question about whether FBI Director James Comey should feel vindicated about how the Bureau handled the investigation dubbed Crossfire Hurricane. The report found that the Bureau's decision to open an investigation was in compliance with Department and FBI policies, and we did not find documentary or testimonial evidence that political bias or improper motivation influenced the decision. Again, political bias is a dead end. Don't worry about it. The Pfizer warrant. A British former intelligence officer, Christopher Steele, was paid for his research by the Democrats. This is NPR. Trump and Republicans have slammed the material as outrageous and say it's further egregious and it was used to justify the surveillance on page. Referring to the page surveillance application, Horowitz stated Wednesday, we are deeply concerned that so many basic and fundamental errors were made by three separate hand-picked investigative teams on one of the most sensitive FBI investigations after the matter had been briefed to the highest levels within the FBI. Okay. So let's have a little listen, shall we, to uh, Mr. Horowitz today being questioned by one truck, uh, Chuck Grassley. Uh, in January 2018, Chairman Graham and I wrote to the FBI and the department referring Christopher Steele for investigation of potentially lying to the FBI. We told the FBI, the department, uh, and the department that what the FBI told the court about Steele's media contacts didn't match with what he told the British court. Did four questions in regard to that. Did the FBI ever ask Steele 
whether he was a source for the t September 2016 Yahoo News article that cited Western intelligence sources, quote unquote. If not, why not? Uh, they did not ask uh, that question, despite having the opportunity to do so. Um, and we got a variety of explanations, um, including that um, as to some of these issues that they didn't want to offend him or jeopardize their relationship with him. <laughs> Thank you for huh? <laughs> Doesn't that just fill you with confidence that the FBI is on top of their game? Huh? Isn't that adorable? Well, there were serious concerns about how Christopher Steele came across this information and if this information could be validated and verified. Uh, why didn't the investigators at the FBI ask Mr. Steele where he got his information from? Uh, well, we got a number of uh, answers to that question, but uh, predominantly they didn't want to offend him. <laughs> <laughs> That's solid right there. We we wanted to do our job. We wanted to double check the sources. We wanted to dot the I's across the T's. We wanted to make sure that the evidence was, uh, the sources were valid. We wanted to make sure that the evidence was valid, but we really didn't want to annoy the guy. So we decided not to ask. <laughs> Remember, nothing to see here, guys. This is all about political bias. Trump was wrong. Go back to bed. There's nothing going on. There's no damage has been done. There's nothing to see here. It's everything's fine. Question two on October the 11th draft of the Gets FISA application stating FBI believes Steele was the source for the Yahoo News article, but it was taken out in the October 14th draft. Why did the FBI originally say Steele was the source? And what factual basis did the FBI have to change that and tell the court that Steele was not a source. So the Yahoo thing that he's talking about, I'm pretty sure is the Steele dossier, right? What's been dubbed the Steele dossier. They couldn't get, this is what we know. They couldn't get the Pfizer warrant to surveil Carter Page until they presented the Steele dossier. They later uh, interviewed the subsource of the Steele dossier, which was a Russian guy who came back and said, it's all bullshit. Like it was just barroom talk. It was uh, jokes. It was laid back conversation. He said, I'm not putting my name to anything in that. Because Christopher Steele isn't the source. He's the source for the source, if that makes sense. Somebody else is the source for the Steele dossier. It's just his name on it. He's the one who got the information from the source, right? So the actual source of the information came out and said, I'm not putting my name to any of that. It's all bullshit. Somewhere in the process, the FBI, after claiming that the Steele dossier and the information contained within was uh, factual without going through the Woods procedure, they took that out of the process. They took that out of the evidence pool. But when they took it out of the evidence pool, they didn't tell the judge. They didn't tell anybody about it. They just tried to pretend like it never happened. Remember, guys, nothing to see here. <laughs> the main thing is Donald Trump was wrong. And then they didn't offer an explanation why they took it out. 
It's, it's fucking beautiful, isn't it? Remember, nothing to see here, nothing going on. Donald Trump was wrong. There was no bias. Therefore, and remember Chris Cuomo yesterday, we played the clip. Everything you have been told about the Russia investigation is a lie. You, you are, you're banding about these conspiracy theories. All your conspiracy theories are wrong. Sure, mistakes were made, but who doesn't make mistakes? <laughs> the main story here is you're an idiot. You're drinking Kool-Aid. You're engaging in strange conspiracy theories. Unbelievable. So listen to, listen to what Horowitz has to say about this. This is what was so disturbing about that disturbing. Um, event, which is the initial application said, as you noted, that the FBI assessed that Steele was the direct source or was a direct source. And on October 14th, the drafts changed to the exact opposite. Mm. What we found is the FBI had no basis for the first statement, no evidence in their file. It turned out the first statement was, in fact, the accurate statement. The point, though, was they had no evidence to support that. <laughs> you have to laugh. You have to laugh at this point because... At that moment, when I was watching it live, I was at work and I just had to kind of, I had to stop work for a minute. I had to tools down and just sit back because I was overwhelmed with all of the editorials, all of the op-ed pieces, all of the opinion panel shows that I've watched and absorbed over the last two years, claiming that there is no evidence for the claims that the Pfizer process was corrupted. There's no evidence. It's just a fringe conspiracy theory being made up. They're still saying it now. After this, they're still saying it. Oh, there's no evidence to suggest that the Pfizer process was corrupted. There's no evidence to suggest that the investigation was uh, on fraudulent grounds in any way, shape or form. There's no evidence for any of that. The guy who wrote the report that they are citing as proof that there was no evidence to claim that the Pfizer process was corrupted is literally saying in the Senate hearings under oath, ladies and gentlemen, that there was no evidence to support the shit that was in the application to obtain the Pfizer warrant. Exactly what we've been saying for the last 12 months, to a T. Yet this is being used as the evidence to claim that there's no evidence for these whacked out conspiracy theories. It is mind boggling. The level, and this is what I'm trying to say. When you're trying to have this conversation, when you're trying to point this shit out to some people, they just refuse to see it. They refuse to see it. Their hatred of the president is so strong. It's so all-pervasive that they will refuse to take in any kind of subsequent information whatsoever. They have already written the story in their heads based on the bullshit that's been shoveled into them over the last two years. They've already completed the story. He's already guilty. There's already everything that we know, we already know, and there's nothing new to know. And when they flipped it, they had no evidence to support that either. <laughs> that's the kind of issue that under the basic Woods procedures, the factual accuracy procedures, had someone been doing their job and, and, and following up, they would have seen that and found that. Again, this is why I said yesterday, forget about bias. Political bias is a dead end. It's almost impossible to prove and it doesn't really matter. The real issue here is, did people do their jobs? Did they do their jobs in an ethical manner? Did they follow protocols? Did they break the law? That's the only thing that matters here. 
I'm going to I'm going to play it again what uh, Horowitz just said source or was a direct source and on October 14th the drafts changed to the exact opposite what we found is the FBI had no basis for the first statement, no evidence in their file. It turned out the first statement was, in fact, the accurate statement. The point, though, was they had no evidence to support that. And when they flipped it, they had no evidence to support that either. Unbelievable. That's the kind of issue that under the basic Woods procedures, the factual accuracy procedures, had someone been doing their job and, and, and following up, they would have seen that and found that. And, of course, had they bothered to ask Mr. Steele, they might have found out which of the two versions was true. But we didn't want to offend the guy. We didn't want to offend him. That's why we didn't ask him what was true and what wasn't, because we didn't want to upset Mr. Steele. That's the answer they gave this guy. Why didn't you ask Christopher Steele if the information was factual or not? Oh, we we didn't want to offend him. (laughs) It's laughable. Come on. The mighty FBI, ladies and gentlemen, didn't want to offend Christopher Steele. Therefore, ah, oh, we'll just change. We'll just change the record as we go, so we don't have to have an awkward conversation with somebody. Give me a fucking break, would you? The the organization that will kick people's doors down and and put shotgun barrels in their face didn't want to offend a guy. <laughs> Maybe they weren't interested in doing their job. That's more like it. Question three. Chairman Graham and I sent our referral to the FBI and the DOJ on January the 4th, 2018. And according to your report, although the FBI already knew that the British intelligence and the FBI officials discussed the litigation litigation with Director Comey, the FBI never got Steele's statement in that litigation until we provided them. The FBI also never considered updating the court on these statements. Why? The FBI never considered updating the court on these statements. I.e., they found evidence that was directory, uh, directly contradictory to the uh, investigation they were trying to launch, the, the investigation, the target that they had and what they suspected him of. They found evidence that ran directly uh, contradictory to that assessment. And they just decided not to tell the court about it. Just decided. Like they just decided not to ask Christopher Steele which information was factual and which wasn't. We didn't want to offend. Maybe they didn't want to offend the judge. Maybe they were very concerned about the feelings of the judge and said, you know what, if we go to the judge and say that we've actually found evidence that proves that this guy hasn't been doing anything wrong at all, uh, maybe the judge will get a little upset because we called him in when he should be playing golf that day. Maybe the judge has a prior engagement. We wouldn't want to waste the judge's time. I'll tell you what, don't worry about that. We'll get to that later. Put that put that on the fridge. We'll deal with that later. But, sir, this, this evidence here uh, proves that the guy that we're chasing for this Russian collusion stuff is actually not colluding with Russians at all. Yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> it's not important. <laughs> Remember, guys, nothing to see here. The real story is... There was no bias and everything that Donald Trump said was wrong. That's the real story. I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to CNN. Everything you think you know about the Russia investigation and the Pfizer process is a lie. Stop saying conspiracy theories. Did the court learn 
No. When did the court learn about these contradictory statements about whether Steele did or didn't have contact with the media? And did anyone in the FBI seem concerned at all that it was not updating the FISC, the court? Uh, uh, it was uh, knowingly providing a court with incorrect and misleading information. So the the knowingly providing the court with incorrect and misleading information. Nothing to see here. Remember, the real story is Donald Trump was wrong and there's no bias. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, Marjorie, I was watching a little bit of the uh, the uh, Senate hearings today and I noted that uh, turns out the FBI were providing uh, incorrect and misleading information to the FISA court in order to surveil a private citizen of the U.S., uh, against uh, without their knowledge, uh, they knowingly provided false information to the court in order to do this. Were you aware of this? No, honey, I wasn't aware of that. Did you know that everything that Donald Trump and other people have said about the Pfizer process is completely wrong and there was no political bias? Oh, really? Oh, really? Well, that's good to know. Uh, what's for dinner? I guess there's nothing else to discuss. I guess we're done here. Thank you very much. Uh, FISA court first learned of it in a, at least as I understand it, in a letter sent in June 2018, a year after the last FISA authorization, when the Justice Department lawyers sent a letter informing them of new information that they had learned, including from the litigation uh, that Mr. Steele had acknowledged he was a direct contact for uh, Yahoo News in that story. <laughs> that was the first time the court was told about it. <laughs> Would you look at footnote 461 for me? Yes. Uh, that footnote states that a former FBI confidential human source contacted an FBI agent in an FBI field office in late July 2016 to report information from, quote, a colleague who runs an investigative firm hired by two entities, the Democratic National Committee, as well as another individual who was not named to explore Donald Trump's long-standing ties to Russian entities, end of quote. <laughs> to explore Donald Trump's long-standing ties to Russian entities, end quote. Listen to this answer. Was that investigative firm Fusion GPS, or did the DNC hire another firm to peddle anti-Trump information to Obama's FBI. Um, I don't know definitively which it is, but I can certainly follow up and, and get back to you on that. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to see here, guys. Absolutely nothing to see here. As you can see, everything is all above board. Uh, the real story here is uh, Donald Trump was wrong. Everything people have said about the FISA court process being corrupted, everything people have said about evidence being manufactured, exculpatory evidence being removed from the process, people lying to FISA court judges in order to obtain warrants to conduct an illegal spying operation, an illegal surveillance operation on private citizens and manufacturing evidence in order to frame people in that investigation to frame the Donald Trump campaign as colluding with Russia when they did nothing of the sort. That's all bullshit. The real story here is, though, when this investigation started, there was no bias. So you can put everything to one side now. You can, you can just go back to work and let the Democrats impeach this tyrant because he obviously deserves it.
as I said, this is the worst corporate media PR campaign of the 21st century. Nothing even comes close to this. The human shit is so high, you would have to be taller than King Kong to see over it at this point. The bullshit is that high and that rank. <laughs> what a circus. What an absolute circus. Uh, keeping the circus going, it's been a while since we've done one of these. It's time for... Lemon tree, very pretty, and the lemon flowery sweet. But the fruit of the poor is impossible to eat. Lemon tree, very pretty, and the lemon flowery sweet. But the fruit of the poor is impossible to eat. Still not sick of that. <laughs> Still not sick of that cheesy intro. Uh, Don Lemon was very upset about a meme, believe it or not. Uh, this is news. Let's see what Don's got to say for himself. In addition to all the lies. All the lies. And all the blustering at tonight's rally. Blustering. Trump's war room posted a meme on Twitter today. Posted a meme on Twitter today. He's talking about the lies at the rally that we watched yesterday, which if you are not a member on DLive, please join up. DLive.tv slash Boogie Bumper. Uh, the reason I did that was because DLive's a lot friendlier to live streamers who are live streaming. So, uh, you know, I had to say goodbye to YouTube, say goodbye to Periscope so we could watch the Trump rally live. But if you did miss it, the replay's still up. The replays are up for a few days on DLive. You can still go back and watch it. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> I haven't watched this clip yet. People have been sending me this clip all day, and I, I just, I just, I'm just going to assume that it's everything that it could be and more. So I put it in the rundown. So I want to watch it with you together for the first time. Showing Trump as the supervillain Thanos. Thanos. From the Marvel Avengers movies. <laughs> Dispatching his democratic en enemies. <laughs> Take a look at this. Please. I am inevitable. On this solemn day, I'm, I recall that the first order of business for members of... <laughs> look at that face. <laughs> God, that's the face a high school teacher gave me. I'm not going to say a name. We had a high school teacher when I was about 13, 14 years old, uh, blonde, incredibly attractive, used to always wear low-cut dresses to work. That is the face that this teacher gave me when she discovered that I was, I was doing a, a drawing of her, a cartoon drawing of her in a seductive pose with her name on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the face she gave me. <laughs> she was like, what, what are you working on over here? Oh, nothing, nothing. And then she picked up the piece of paper, gave me that look, and then put the paper back. She didn't make a big scene out of it. Just put the paper back down on my desk and leaned in and said, focus on your homework. <laughs> the face right there what what are we in junior high school yes we are 
I didn't know he was going to say that. That's perfect. It's exactly where we are. That's where you are with that. <laughs> That's what you reminded me of. You remind me of a teacher giving a disapproving look to a bunch of unruly students in junior high school. Do you think you are a teacher in junior high school, Don? What are we in junior high school? Can't we all grow up? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't we all grow up? Can't you act your age, people? Mr. President, why can't you act like an adult for a change, sir? Mm-hmm. <laughs> The moral center of the United States, ladies and gentlemen, Don Lemon. What what are we in junior high school? Yes. Like, what the hell? Is, what is this? <laughs> but this comes this comes from the same people who like if uh, it, like they'll praise Nancy Pelosi for taking down a member of the, they'll praise anybody who does some kind of childish retort to Donald Trump and say, Oh, Donald Trump got triggered today. Donald Trump was trolled by an epic takedown. <laughs> like what? What? It's called having a sense of humor and being a little lighthearted. You soulless gnat. <laughs> you empty, soulless, unfunny, uncharismatic piece of garbage. That's what it is. You you boring, bitter, and twisted man. <laughs> what? What? Oh, get a fucking grip, mate. Get a life, would you? Like That's all you can say now at this point. Somebody carries on like this to something as basic as that, you just roll your eyes and say, oh, mate, get over it. Get over it, mate. <laughs> I, I cannot believe that I'm even having to report this on the news. But you don't have to report this on the news. First of all, it's not the news. This is not news. This is a talk show. Don't you know the difference? Uh, second of all, you don't have to. You wanted to. You wanted to so you could come up with this big performance. Oh, so you could do the faces, so you could act high and mighty, so you could say, we're above this, we're better than this. What is this, junior high school? Am I all right? You wanted to talk about it. A friend of mine, Varun, tweeted out earlier today, he was like, yeah, the meme's okay, but now thanks to Don Lemon, the meme has acquired superpowers like Thanos. Don Lemon has actually created the meme now. He's become the meme because by amplifying it and by reacting to it in this fashion, he has he has turned an average meme that not many people knew about into a superpower. He's done it. He has he has turned Donald Trump into Thanos. This is cr- this is crazy. You're telling me. You're telling me, Don. <laughs> we're, we're a minute and 15 seconds into this clip. He hasn't said anything yet. <laughs> this is literally crazy. Are you pe- literally crazy? People insane? Are you people insane? Is, what is this, junior high? Can we all be better than this? Your people are insane. You're crazy. <laughs> this is the best. 
This is fucking beautiful. Look at that face. Isn't that wonderful? You tell them, Don. You tell them, champ. Who's crazy? Like, do they not get that this is the whole point of the meme in the first place? To create this, to make this happen, to manifest this into reality? He, he doesn't understand it at all. The whole point of the meme, Don, is to make you do this. So who's the crazy one here? Is the crazy one the person who can who has the power over somebody in the corporate press to do exactly what they want them to do? Or is the crazy one who knows that uh, these kinds of reactions are what memes are trying to elicit still carries on and does it anyway? Who's crazy here? <laughs> Hello, Don. Don, can you hear me? Don, you are fulfilling the prophecy. You are fulfilling the prophecy, young one. Are you Are you insane? Is, is, this is all he just keeps saying over and over again. Are you crazy? Are you insane? This is crazy. <laughs> this is fucking beautiful. What are you talking about? I, I cannot believe that I'm even having to report this on the news. This is cr this is crazy. <laughs> this is literally crazy. Are you people insane? <laughs> what do you mean you people, Don? <laughs> are you are you insane? Go ahead. Troll the Democrats on Twitter. <laughs> He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> Are you an idiot? Are you crazy? Are you insane? <laughs> Do this stupid, silly... You know what? Yeah. Yeah, it's so silly. Play this stupid juvenile yep. meme game. You're playing it now, you fucking idiot. <laughs> you're playing it. You don't even know you're playing it. You don't even know that you're a part of the meme game by sitting there going, oh, my God, it's crazy. What are you guys insane? What is this, junior high? You're literally crazy. Are you insane? He, he doesn't know that he's playing the juvenile meme game. He doesn't get it. <laughs> Someone needs to tell Don, Don, Don. No, no, you're part of you're a part of the game now. You're in the game. But I don't want to play the game. It's too, this is how the game works. It doesn't matter if you want to play it or not. When you react like this, you're you are now part of the game. You are in the game, sir. Welcome to the game, Don. History won't record this meme stupid crap. They will record these reactions from the media though. That's the beautiful part, see? See, that's the that's the beautiful part of this game, Mr. Lemon. Me, you're right. History won't re record the stupid meme crap, but they will record the stupid journalist responses to the meme crap. They will record the unhinged press not understanding the world around them at all. The detached media, the detached corporate press not realising what the fuck is going on from one day to the next, one minute to the next, not realising that they're part of the meme, thinking that they're above the meme, which is the best part of the meme. 
history will definitely record that. It will be the it will be a ten volume series, the downfall of the corporate media in the United States. This will be in about issue number six or seven. But history will record this. Uh, well, at least he's somewhat self-aware. <laughs> the seriousness of what is happening. Ah, ah, right. That today is the day that the House of Representatives in the United States of America introduced articles of impeachment against President Donald J. Trump. No, see, this is the... Uh what you're experiencing now, Don, is the corporate media bubble effect, you see, because outside of your little haunts and hangouts and outside of Washington, D.C., nobody really gives a fuck. Nobody's taking it seriously. Nobody believes you. I put out a tweet yesterday, just a couple of hours after the impeachment announcement, right? And I said, uh, the corporate media, the DNC and the Washington bubble are telling us that impeachment is the most, everybody is talking about impeachment right now. And then I just put up a a screen grab of the trending topics on Twitter. Number one was the masked singer. Number two was something like Ellen's party, like Ellen DeGeneres. It wasn't even in the top 10, the impeachment hearings. Nobody gives a fuck because nobody believes you. And let's be fair here, if it was the most important thing going on right now, you wouldn't be talking about the meme. You wouldn't. (laughs) You wouldn't become part of the meme game. The President of the United States of America for committing high crimes and misdemeanors. No, allegedly. You You see how you're racing ahead here? Allegedly. He hasn't been tried yet. There hasn't been a trial yet. What I can't believe is they put out some meme here like it's, you know, some silly cartoon thing. I mean, not that I want to put put the cartoon down, but I mean, come on now. I mean, this is this serious business. And oh, this is serious business. The adults are running the show here. <laughs> Get the fuck out, Kasich. We're really at the heart of it. Everybody has to ask themselves. When I think about Ronald Reagan, would Ronald Reagan have ever called up a nation that was in trouble? Uh, in terms of somebody invading part of their country and say, listen, I'll help you out with some military aid, but you got to go investigate my political opponent. All right, that's enough. (laughs) Don Levin, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't want to play the game, doesn't realize that he is now a part of it. Forever, Forever will be remembered for, are you literally crazy? Ladies and gentlemen, that was... Lemon tree, very pretty, and the lemon flowery sweet. But the fruit of the poor land is impossible to eat. Lemon tree, very pretty, and the lemon flowery sweet. But the fruit of the poor land is impossible to eat. As you know, uh, we've been talking about the new terms of service that are coming to YouTube, uh, which are now here, uh, effective December 10th. And those terms of service were any channel that they deem not to be commercially viable can now effectively be wiped for the platform, which is a big step because, you know, if there are rules to say that you can't say X or you can't show Y, then that's pretty set in stone. But these new rules are very ambiguous and very subjective, and it gives YouTube the power to basically remove anybody. Uh, that's not even the worst of it. 
Uh, 24 hours later now, they have... <laughs> Thank you for the ninja, the ninja genie. I think it's a Lamborghini with a ninja in it. Thank you so much, Sebastian. I appreciate it. Very generous. Um, so less than 24 hours, they have now updated their bullying terms of service as well. I got this off um, Mr. Medica's Twitter account. He retweeted it. Thank you for coming. If you don't know who Mr. Medica is, uh, I, I think he's one of the most talented guys who has ever been on YouTube. And I'm going to, I'll show you a clip of his, which is on BitChute. Which I which may result in the YouTube channel being taken down. I'm not sure, um, but fuck it. <laughs> Everybody's getting banned now. So what's the difference? Uh, so let me read this. He retweeted this. Hi, psycho, uh, psychic pebbles, which is a YouTube YouTuber, obviously. As you may know, our community guidelines describe which content we allow and we don't allow on YouTube. Your video, Fine Bros React, was flagged to us for review. Upon review, we've determined that it violates our guidelines and we've removed it from YouTube. You might, you, We know that this might be disappointing, but it's important to us that YouTube is a safe place for all. A safe place. If content breaks our rules, we remove it. If you think we've made a mistake, you can appeal and we'll take another look. Keep reading for more details. YouTubers share their opinions on a wide range of different topics. However, there is a line between passionate debate and malicious harassment. So who decides that line? Who determines where the line is between passionate debate and malicious harassment? You'll be pleased to know, as we've spoken about on many podcasts on this show over a number of months, if you go back in the archives, you'll see all we, we, we foresaw this coming eight, nine, ten months ago. The kind of people who are now deciding where that line is between debate and harassment are people like the SPLC and the ADL. Additionally, content that includes egregious insults based on personal attributes... Uh, is not allowed on YouTube. If you're not sure whether or not your content crosses the line, we ask you not post it. <laughs> Again, long-time listeners to this show will know we have made this argument ad nauseum. There is a reason that these platforms make the rules ambiguous. They do it deliberately. People are like, I don't know why the rules are so ambiguous. Why can't we have real rules? Why is it ambiguous? It is ambiguous for this reason. They are literally spelling it out in the takedown notice. If you're not sure whether your content crosses the line, don't post it. That's why they keep the line hidden. Because if the line is uh, obvious, then people will find a way around it. People will tiptoe right up to it. People will test the line. They will find a loophole for the line. If nobody knows where the line is, people will operate within themselves because they don't know how far they can go. And now YouTube is openly telling you, if you don't know where our ambiguous if you don't know where our ambiguous line is, then don't go there. I've made the analogy before a while ago. Imagine yourself at a state fair. And you know those state fair games where you have to take the big hammer and donk the bell and you have to send the puck up to the top to hit the bell and you'll win a teddy bear, right? You know, it's really hard to get the puck up the top. So what if you had a game similar to that 
where a bar starts at zero dollars and at the top of the pole it's a hundred dollars and they say to you you press the button when you want the bar to stop so it goes up ten dollars twenty dollars thirty dollars forty dollars fifty dollars sixty all the way up to a hundred but they say to you when you get to a hundred dollars if you haven't pressed the button yet you'll get zero so everyone's like great there's the line $100 is the line. As long as I press the buzzer before it gets to 100 I get to keep what I get. There's going to be a lot of people walking away with $70, $80, $90, $95, just hitting the button before it gets to that $100 mark. Okay? Now, imagine the same game, but the person running the game says to you, same rules, except we're not going to tell you where the mark is. The mark might be at $20, it might be at $50, it might be at $100, it might be $80. But you just hit the button before it gets to the line. But we're not going to tell you where the line is. You're going to have a lot of people walking away with $5, $10, $15, and $20, aren't you? Very few people are going to let that bar keep going up. Because the further it goes up where you don't know the line is, you're probably more likely to go over that line. This is the same chilling effect that occurs with these kinds of terms of service, ambiguous rules and protocols. They don't tell you where the line is because they know you will act well within yourself to avoid going over it. If they tell you where the line is, you will go right up to it and tiptoe around it and stick your nose over it and give them the finger. So they don't tell you where the line is. And now, because that was plainly obvious to anybody who was thinking about it before, even though that's not good enough now, now they're just openly telling you that that's the way we operate. Yes, the rules are ambiguous. Yes, the rules are hard to follow. But if you're unsure about where the line is, then you better not post the video at all. Don't bother. Don't post it and let us get back to you and say that you've broken the ambiguous rule where nobody knows the line is because we're just going to take it down. So don't bother. Don't, don't post it in the first place. That's the best way to go about it. Actively promoting people not to post videos on a website that is all about hosting videos. We review educational, documentary, artistic, and scientific content on a case-by-case -case basis. Thank you for the diamond, Ricky. Uh, limited exceptions are made for content with sufficient and appropriate context and where the purpose of posting is clear. So, like I said, you should follow this account, uh, <laughs> which is deliciously, uh, Mr. Bedeker has called it, Mr. Anti-Bully. <laughs> uh, so, Mr. Bedeker was a YouTube legend. He had about 350,000 subs on YouTube. Um and did it all without ever showing his face, just just voice only for the most part. So um, his his sarcasm, by the way, is just next level. You're you're absolutely going. If you've never heard of this guy before, you're you're absolutely going to love the sarcasm. It's fucking fantastic. It makes me blush. Um, so he took down all of his YouTube videos. He had a whole ton up there. This is not that long ago, about a month ago. And because he was getting YouTube videos removed, not knowing where the line is, he said, well, I'm just going to do weather videos from now on. <laughs> and 
and he would just talk about the weather. But he ended up taking all of his YouTube videos down. He would just do live streams and then delete them immediately afterwards and now putting videos up on BitChute instead. They've now taken down his YouTube account. Here you go. Oh, no, this is a different guy. Pardon me. Well, I've been terminated from YouTube. This is somebody else that uh, Medic has retweeted. Two videos with effectively no views, no strikes, no warning, no explanation, nothing but comments. Laugh at the chair. We're already in it. No strikes, no warnings, no explanation. YouTube uh, account gone, banned. It's only a matter of time. And this is the problem. If you're somebody like me who isn't easily uh, easily offended, then I, I'm I'm now mentally preparing for the fact that any content creator that I enjoy on YouTube, and I'm not going to mention names now because apparently, like now now you can fucking direct ire. So I'm just going to pretend like I don't like anybody on YouTube from now on in the hopes that nobody's talking about it. <laughs> but the YouTube channels that I enjoy, that I've, I've mentioned in previous shows, but I'm not going to mention anymore, um, I'm now mentally preparing for the fact that they're more than likely going to get cut off at some point and I'm going to have to chase them to a new platform. This is why we, um, we're moving to DLive. You saw James in the chat. He, he hosts Pirate Radio on his YouTube channel on a Friday night. Uh, James, it gets even better. Let me go down to a tweet here. Listen to this, James, if you're still in the chat on YouTube. Uh, Pirate Radio is finished on YouTube. Beyond threatening someone, there is also demeaning language that goes too far. <laughs> James, you're fucked. <laughs> to establish a consistent criteria for what type of content is not allowed on YouTube, we're building upon a framework we use for our hate speech policy. Yay! We will no longer allow content that maliciously insults someone based on protected attributes such as their race, gender expression, or sexual orientation. This applies to everyone from private individuals to YouTube creators to public officials, public people. That's right. People in the public eye, ladies and gentlemen, don't you dare insult them. Don't you dare say anything nasty about public officials because this will get you banned off YouTube in direct contradiction Direct contradiction to everything we understand about free expression in the square, in the town square. So uh, let me play this uh, short clip that Mr. Medica put out, I think about six weeks ago. YouTube, YouTube makes me sad. <laughs> so I'll, I'll let him explain for himself. Like I said, if you haven't heard of this guy before, you're going to absolutely love the sarcasm. One new email from YouTube? What? No, everybody told me they don't care about the little guy. Maybe they're writing me to tell me what a good boy I am. Only good news ahead. Click on this right away. I should bring my family in so they can read it with me. Sure, it's some kind of an announcement. Maybe they're going to enshrine my YouTube channel for following the rules so well. Hi, Mr. Medicare. Oh, my God, so formal. They even called me Mr. During a recent review, our team of policy specialists... Carefully looked over the videos you've uploaded to your channel, and we found that a significant portion of your channel is not in line with our partnership program. As of today, your channel is not eligible to monetize. So they started off by demonetizing everyone about three months ago, and then comes the next phase of kicking people. See, this is the thing. This is part of why I suspect the language has been uh, non-commercially viable, because now they can effectively argue 
logically that if your channel is not monetized, if your channel cannot be monetized because we deem it to break rules, then therefore it's not commercially viable because it's not making money, right? Do you see how this works? So uh, there was a whole round of demonetizations about nine months ago, and then another six months later, they got a whole bunch of other people and demonetized them. So they've demonetized a whole section of the YouTube community, and now they've changed the rules to say, by the way, um, anybody who can't get monetized, we can kick you off. Isn't it just delicious the way it all just wraps up? Well, I see everything is wrapped up in a neat little package. Mm. Right? It's almost like they've been planning this for a while. It's almost like they are trying to turn YouTube in a subscription streaming service, not unlike Netflix. It's almost like when Susan Wojcicki was on 60 Minutes talking about how we promote recommended or, uh, you know, reliable sources. Uh, when you go on YouTube's trending page, you'll see things like CNN, MSNBC, ABC, ESPN, instead of what's actually trending. Oh, no, we decide what the good channels are. And by the way, we're, we're going to demonetize all of these channels that are over here with millions and millions and millions and millions of subscribers collectively. And then we're going to change the rules to say that anybody who can't get monetized can be deemed not commercially viable and we can just ban people who aren't commercially viable. The slow-moving rollout, ladies and gentlemen. And you will not have access to monetization tools and features. But this this video will show you how ridiculous it is. Please go to your monetization page to read more about the specific policy our specialists flagged. Well, this is difficult news to swallow, but if their specialist hand flagged these videos, they must have had a reason. I'm sure I'm sure it's tough news, but I gotta roll with the punches. Let's go find out exactly what the violation was so I can learn from it. To become a better content producer on this amazing platform. Account status currently ineligible for monetization. Here's why your channel wasn't approved. Reused content. Repurposing someone else's content without adding significant original commentary or educational value. But you can reapply in 30 days on December 4th, 2019. Oh, it's a lot of pressure. I've got a whole 30 days to go through my enormous catalog of videos to see if I can reapply for monetization. Now... Here comes his enormous catalogue of videos. Have a look at this. It's going to be tough. It's going to be arduous, but it's a task I'm up to. I'm going to look through <laughs> all my videos to see which ones that weren't <laughs> compliant with this specialist that works for YouTube. They must have seen something I overlooked. Where can I begin my journey? I know. I should go look at my uploaded videos and just start going through them one by one. Oh, wait a minute. I don't have any fucking uploaded videos. <laughs> So YouTube sent this guy a notice to say, based on the videos you have on your channel, we have decided to demonetize your channel. But there are no uploaded videos on his channel. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I don't have any fucking videos. <laughs> Great, isn't it? There's zero videos on my channel. <laughs> But that can't be right. Clearly, the specialist knows better than I the do. Specialist. I, don't, I don't understand what's going on here. Oh, that's right. Back in August, when I had some videos taken down for bullshit reasons and decided to delete my entire video archive on YouTube, that's why there are no videos currently available on the channel. 
You can even find the specific date that those videos were removed based on the Patreon post that I put up going over the details of it, or through the metrics available over on Social Blade. And those aren't privated videos, they're deleted videos, as in there's nothing on the channel, no unlisted video, no private video, just nothing, not zilch zero. We'll see. Now, see, somebody in uh, Rock in America said um, AI already getting it wrong. No, remember, uh, a team of specialists reviewed his channel. So they're saying that there was a human element to it. They're not saying an algorithm took it down. So either they're lying or they're just lying. Because <laughs> I've got a bit of a, a conundrum here. A YouTube specialist flagged my videos saying that I was reusing other people's content. And yet there are no videos, so there couldn't possibly be reused content to begin with. I think this is what's referred to as a sphinx riddle. If I can solve it, I'll probably gain immortality. It's really making me think here. Reusing content in videos, but there are no videos to reuse the content in. The chicken or the egg, which came first? I don't, I don't know how to answer that. Stranger still, that email was dated from yesterday, just a day ago, that the YouTube specialist decided to look at my amazing archive of zero videos when all the channel's videos were removed and deleted. Nine weeks ago. Maybe this YouTube specialist got his job because Doc Brown recommended him. <laughs> I didn't know Marty McFucking Fly worked at Google, but there he is. We got the answer to that VH1 question. Where are they now? Isn't these sarcasm just fucking brilliant? Anybody who has this kind of uh, command of sarcasm is like an instant favorite of mine. Apparently <laughs> working at YouTube. At least nothing bad happened. I mean, I never played ads on my video, so it's not like that monetization came in handy. It's not like I had Super Chats coming. Oh, wait, the Super Chats. Well, YouTube's a trustworthy and reputable company. Surely I'll get that last payment from the previous month's live stream. Oh, what's, what's that tweet say? Oh, it seems the exact opposite of what I thought is true. <laughs> that when your channel is demonetized and you're thrown out of the partnership program, they just, they just keep the money. It just it sits in a bank account, accruing interest. And then maybe if you somehow ever get remonetized if you're ever allowed back into the partnership program maybe then potentially two months or two billing cycles from that point maybe you get paid in the meantime all that sweet interest that's all google baby god i suppose if you were a cynical sort of person you could say there was a vested financial interest in demonetizing people that have received super chats because the interest accrues on the account held by google but that's alex jones talk okay you take that away you bring that over to InfoWars, not over here. <laughs> this is YouTube. It's family-friendly neighborhood, okay? We only want to see videos of Elsa and Spider-Man injecting each other with shit-filled syringes. I'm talking quality entertainment. The stuff Coca-Cola and Nissan want to advertise on. So what's the status of Jimmy's channel now? Well, I upload over on BitChute. Feel free to look at new videos. There you go. Uh, he, ended up, he ended up getting the money that he was owed by YouTube. Sounds like the super hearts of Periscope. You're damn right it does. Because um, I've tried a couple of times to, uh, you know, I, I, I'm even like a verified uh, person on Periscope. So I have like a, a creator's badge on Periscope because I fit the criteria. And uh, I tried to, tried a couple of times to get in touch with people at Periscope and ask why am I excluded from the super hearts program. And... After blowing me off the first time, not getting any answer whatsoever, I then sent another email. And three days later, I got, you bring up some good ideas. We will talk about this in our next meeting. 
<laughs> and since then, now I've tried to turn off the super chats on my account because I really don't want people giving me super chats when they can't, uh, when I, you know, because they, they're trying to give it to me, which is very generous, but I don't want people, uh, you know, donating to the channel under false pretenses, that being that I can't actually receive what they're donating. So they're spending money in, you know, trying to give it to me, but then I don't get it. And I've tried to turn off the super chat function multiple times now on both the app and on the website. And each time, it, people are just still be able to give super chats. So, it, the super chats are accruing, and they're just out there in purgatory where I can't refund them, and I can't uh, receive them. And when I try to get in touch with Periscope, who I, again, like I've, I'm a, I like the platform. I've said so before, but that doesn't seem to make any difference. Um, so you may as well go both barrels from now on. Um, when I've tried to get in touch, they just blow me off. So, oh, well, we'll look into it. No response. So let me put um, the link for this video. I'll put the link for this video in DLive if you're watching on DLive. So you can follow Medica on BitChute. There it is. That's another thing. I like, I like being able to put links in... In the, into the chat so you can follow uh, James James is banned from all programs at Periscope if you know James isn't like James isn't a vindictive person on Periscope James talks about the news and he talks about uh, what he what his opinion is on politics and stuff it's not like oh let's go and invade countries and gas people he doesn't go on like that he talks about technical stuff, you know, what's happening in the courts and what's happening in the committee hearings and what's in the news. And like, there's does little 10 minute periscopes. He's banned for, for some, we don't even know why he's banned from the Super Hearts program, but he is. He more than uh, adequately qualifies for it. He would be a gold badge member. I'm only a silver badge member on Periscope. He would be a gold badge member if he applied. But he's just banned from Super Hearts. Can't get him. <laughs> we don't know why. Let me bring up this article for you. <coughs> CNN, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't it strange how these uh, corporate media entities who will directly benefit from removing of competition because they were so slow to get onto the YouTube bandwagon in the first place, they still really don't understand how the internet works. Because they were so late to the party, because their power over the minds, the hearts and minds of the populations of Western countries have been so diminished by the internet over the last decade, because they were dragging their feet, because they refused to change with the times, because they refused to adapt to a new information environment, isn't it funny and cute how now they're coming in at the end of the party and deciding that everybody else needs to be banned and we should be the only ones allowed on these platforms. We should be allowed to dominate the internet just like we've dominated everything else. It's not fair that people are on the internet doing their own thing. It's not fair that people are out there who aren't reputable sources. They're out there saying fake news and fringe conspiracy theories. Remember we played the clip on Trust and Verify? Here in the reality-based press, that's what Brian Stelter literally called his own program, the reality-based media. <laughs>
The irony is so much. It gives me an erection. This, this much irony. Like this is this is like this is this is gold for sarcasm. It's just endless. So you CNN is now celebrating all of these changes in terms of service. We're good. We should be kicking off these people because they want their videos to be number one on the training page. Remember Anderson Cooper doing that Facebook live show that got about, I don't know, a thousand people watch it? They spent millions on that, on Anderson Cooper's Facebook live program. Couldn't even get a hundred people in the room. I, I average around, you know, across all the different platforms, I average around an audience live of like between 100 and 150 on a really, really good day, which isn't much, but it's good for a guy who works a blue collar job at nighttime and does everything from within a spare bedroom in his own home that he's converted into a broadcast studio. You know what I mean? Like that's pretty good for just one guy out there in Sydney on the other side of the world. Uh, laughing and making jokes about the corporate media. I'll take that. I'm happy with that. <laughs> if I spent millions of dollars and got maybe a handful more listeners, I would be really pissed. Somebody would get fired. YouTube unveils a stricter harassment policy. Now the company just has to enforce it. After months of promising to re-examine how it handles harassment on its platform... YouTube has unveiled an update to its policies. Just an update, guys. On Wednesday, the Google-owned platform said it would be take a stronger stance against threats and personal attacks, among other changes intended to address the safety of its community. Gotta, gotta be safe. Gotta keep everybody safe. We must protect you from yourselves. You silly, uneducated, knuckle-dragging, drooling morons on the internet. We're here to protect you. I feel all warm and fuzzy. YouTube said it would now prohibit veiled or implied threats. An implied threat. We all know the problem with implications, don't we? We all know the problem with implied threats because basically anybody can infer their own implications and essentially create them out of nothing. You know, I said to a baker that I really don't like chocolate cake. He took this as a threat that I want to end his business. It was implied that you want me to go out of business because you don't like my cake. No, I really didn't say that. Too bad. You're off. You're off the channel. Fuck him off the platform. He's threatening people. He's threatening. We mustn't have this. The move comes six months after YouTube faced one of its most high-profile controversies over harassment in recent memory. In June, YouTube came under fire after declining to ban the videos of Steven Crowder, a prominent right-wing personality. Vox journalist Carlos Mazza said Crowder used the platform to attack him with homophobic and racist slurs. A YouTube spokesperson told CNN Business it has wanted to update its policy since April in response to various behaviours it saw on the platform, ranging from harassment of politicians... Sorry, can I just Google um, Trump is an idiot? Can I just bring that up in YouTube right now? Trump is an idiot and see how many people are getting banned for harassing politicians right now. Interesting. YouTube creators targeting each other. YouTube creators targeting each other. They are going to... So if you uh, do a show like a reaction show, and you get out there and you find somebody who has publicly uploaded a video to YouTube 
and on your show you collect these videos and laugh at the people who upload videos, you can now be banned for harassment. So basically, everybody who uploads to YouTube needs to pretend like other YouTube creators don't exist. Or if they do uh, exist, you can only give them compliments. Isn't that horrifying? What a, what a dystopian fucking nightmare. Walking, everybody walking around on the internet with painted on smiles, pretending that they like everyone all the time. <laughs> Hi, yes, I love everything that everybody does all the time. And I would never say anything negative about anybody on places like YouTube because that would be harassment. I just really love being part of a community where everybody is forced to say how much they love everybody in the community. Otherwise, they get banned. Yay. What the hell are we doing here? What the hell is going on? Don Lemon before was talking about, are you people insane? Yes, this is insanity. This is regulated insanity. This is legislated insanity now at this point. You have to be insane. You have to be maniacally positive at all times about everything. Otherwise, you're the bad guy. The spokesperson said the Crowder situation further highlighted the need to make a comprehensive update to its harassment policy. The updated policy is part of a broader effort by YouTube to clean up its platform. Oh, this will clean it up. Don't worry, there'll be nothing left. Following scrutiny from advocacy groups, lawmakers and the media. CNN, ladies and gentlemen. Following scrutiny from CNN. Following scrutiny from the media where the media is trying to dominate YouTube. There's, there's, I mean, people talk about, people talk about, uh, what's the, what's the term I'm looking for? Sorry, I need some more smart juice here. Mm. People like to talk about a conflict of interest. Well, there's no conflict of interest here. Here at CNN, we've only been engaged in a campaign to have everybody we we don't like removed off platforms like YouTube. So we are the only player on YouTube that's left. But this has nothing to do with the harassment policy, which states in the statement from YouTube where they say they were pressured by the media to do it. Now, this there's no conflict of interest here. What are you, some kind of right-wing conspiracy nut? Huh? Where you just want to harass people? Is that what you're about? Is that, what you, is that what you enjoy doing, huh? Making people feel bad? What kind of a sicko are you? Get him off. The, get him off. Kick him off. What a disgusting individual, toxic presence on the internet this fellow is. A YouTube spokesperson told CNN Business it has wanted to update its policy since April. The spokesman said, oh, we've read that part. Ranging from removing videos that violate its policies to reducing the spread of borderline content, ladies and gentlemen. Borderline content. The content that we don't think even breaks the rules, but it's close enough to breaking the rules, so let's ban it anyway. That's what borderline content means. We need to remove the content that doesn't break the rules, but is eh, close enough. Better, better to be safe than sorry. Like, why, why even have rules at this point? Why not just come out and say, we will just kick off anybody we want for any reason? The rules are garbage, clearly. 
Because if there are rules as to what you can do on a platform, but in your terms of service, you can remove people who post borderline content, i.e. content that doesn't break the rules, but essentially comes close to breaking the rules, then what's the point of having rules? Make that the rule. We will just kick off anybody whenever we feel like it. We'll just decide that it's close to breaking the rules because remember, the other thing is nobody really knows where the line is. Nobody knows where the rules are. So you've got an ambiguous line where nobody knows where it is and it's not good enough to kick people off for going over the line that nobody can see. We have to kick people off if they go close to the invisible line. (laughs) This platform is fucking dead. This is going to kill YouTube. And again, I think that's what they want. I think they want to turn it into a streaming service, a subscription streaming service like Netflix. (laughs) Now, six months after the policy update, some of the biggest purveyors of hate, the hate speeches, remain on YouTube, including white supremacist Richard Spencer. As with other updates it's introduced, YouTube said it plans to enforce the harassment policy through a combination of human reviewers and automated systems. Creators can appeal decisions if they uh, believe YouTube has made the wrong decision, and that always works out well. Ban all the stuff and the things. So this was hashtagging earlier today on YouTube, uh, on YouTube, on Twitter. The hashtag was YouTube is over party. (laughs) BJ Dubs. YouTube removed this video too. The platform has abandoned its creators to be the new Netflix. TOCs are so vague, no one knows what constitutes a violation anymore. No point in pouring hours into something when it can just be deleted. The entire reason YouTube became massive was YouTubers having beef and drama. The line between criticism and harassment is now so blurred, nobody knows where they stand. I'm sorry, but this is the last straw. Does anybody work there that actually cares about the content creators and viewers? Or is it all about advertisers and profit? These new rule changes are disgusting and completely ruin everything YouTube used to be. Make YouTube rock and roll again. Even Dave, Dave Rubin's chiming in. Every creator, the guy who got his uh, his YouTube play button in the mail all of a sudden, now he's like, hey, everybody, fucking leave YouTube. <laughs> YouTube suck up Dave Rubin now wants to leave YouTube. That's how bad it is. See, the the, the beautiful part about this is um, this hashtag eventually got taken over by a whole bunch of people. So, you know, those people complaining about the YouTube party being over, you know that they're going to keep watching YouTube anyway. And it's like, I'm glad that they're kicking people off for doing bad things on YouTube. These people don't understand that they're in the loop as well. There are a number of um, people who do more progressive YouTube channels who are now also on that hashtag saying, hey, this is fucking bullshit. We're all getting the chop here. Because this is the thing I've tried to explain to people. It doesn't matter if you're on the left side of the aisle or on the right side of the aisle. This is corporatism. This is YouTube corporate. People are getting kicked off YouTube channels, guys, for videos where they show how to grow an organic garden. Hippie lefty flower children are getting kicked off YouTube for talking about vaccinations and organic growing. So to make it out like, oh, it's just a right-wing thing. Oh, I'm glad though. I'm glad those awful right-wingers are getting kicked off YouTube. No, no, no. You're getting kicked off too, kids. You're getting kicked off too, princess. 
And when you get kicked off, you're going to kick and scream and piss yourself and make out like it's the biggest injustice of the world, completely oblivious to the fact that 24 hours earlier, you were laughing about it because it was somebody you don't like getting kicked off. I'm still amazed that we have to sit here and explain to content creators that defending content creators is in their fucking in best interest. That, that blows my mind that you have to have that conversation with people. Like, it, it, it's, it's worse than trying to sit down with a 10-year-old and have the birds and the bees argument. To sit down with somebody and say, are you a content creator? Yes. Do you support content creators being kicked off YouTube? Yes, I do, because they're big meanies. It's like, but hang on, you're a content creator. So what? I'm not like them. Yes, but if you support content creators being kicked off YouTube, what happens when you get kicked off YouTube? What? I wouldn't get kicked off. <laughs> but you're supporting get, kicking content creators off YouTube for uh, not following ambiguous rules that nobody understands. Yeah, but but I don't like them. No, see, we're defending, we have to defend the people that want us removed. That's the problem here. When you're on this side of the principled argument, you have to defend the people who want to get rid of you. You have to defend their rights too. James, like woodsmen are getting kicked off YouTube. People who do carpentry videos, ladies and gentlemen. Because no doubt a guy who's doing some kind of carpentry video teaching you how to make a table for $10 out of materials you find in the woods on your own is probably on the radar. If he has a million subs, he's probably on the radar, uh, radar of a hardware store or a fucking Ikea outlet that wants to sell you a shitty version of said table. Think about it. If there's a guy on YouTube making Ikea-like furniture, He's got 2 million subscribers and he's teaching you how to do it for 10 bucks. Why would a sub, uh, an advertiser like Ikea want that person on that, on that platform? Why would they allow that? Hey, we can't have 2 million people going out and making their own chairs. We want them coming to us and buying our shitty version of the chair for $80. Isn't there something that can be done? Maybe we should demonetize it. It's not commercially viable. We can't sell ads to your video. So sorry about that. This this furniture company is giving us, you know, $400,000 a, a quarter to advertise on our platform. We can't have people out here telling them how to save money by not going and shopping there. That runs contrary to our business model. Money, money, money. Must be funny in a rich man's world. Right? It's at this time I would like to say, if you would like to leave a tip in the jar of the Daily Boogie program, then please head over to dlive.tv slash boogie bumper, grab yourself some lemons and donate them because I'll be let I'll let you in on a little secret. The last two shows, I've been doing this for about two and a half years now. Mostly just on Periscope. It's only recently that I started going to other platforms. The last two shows, thanks to you. Like I I have my Patreon supporters who are the best. Thank you so much. As always, I appreciate your support. But the last two shows are the first time where I have directly received tips from people in the audience as the show's going that I can take out as real money. Now, I think I made like 15 bucks yesterday and I was I was wrapped. I was super excited. I'm like, look, honey, 
look, honey, my audience donated to, like, my audience tipped me $15 during the show. She's like, that's nice, dear. Um, are you going to work tonight? You know you can't quit your job. <laughs> right? Thank you for the ice cream. Because DLive is actually like, as soon as I signed up, they said like, yeah, here you go. This is how it works. I'm like, really? That's It's that easy? I don't have to fill out any forms. I don't have to, uh, you know, I don't have to pledge my allegiance to our corporate overlords or anything like that. They're like, no, no, no. Here you go. Go for it. I was like, thank you. Thank you so much. So if you'd like to leave a tip, dlive.tv slash boogie bumper. You can also live stream on Patreon. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the issues with Patreon are well known as well, aren't they, Pinochet? Like, how long is it going to be before these? This is the problem. How long is it going to be before these terms of service start going over to the other platforms? Generally, what we find is, look at the Alex Jones situation, right? Alex Jones was kicked off every single platform in unison within the space of about 12 hours. The first one, then the next 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 one. Twitter held out the longest, but they got rid of him eventually. And then he was completely unpersoned from every platform, every social media platform, every video platform on the internet. So I think what generally would occur is when uh, companies like this bring up these kinds of changes in terms of service, everybody will eventually follow suit. Like uh, there's no way around it. And so like back to the point, this is why I was trying to explain to, you know, the lefties who hate me, I don't know why, in, I've often said, like, I'm more, if you pay any attention to this show, I'm more socially liberal on things than probably most of them are, but putting that to one side, um, like, that matters anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. It's just bullshit. It's all bullshit. Um, you know, the, the lefties who have, you know, hippie flower child programs who grow organic gardens or make their own furniture, you're getting kicked off too. This concerns you as well because it's, it's not me the voter versus you the voter. It's us the voters versus them on this occasion. And right now, the enemy of uh, free expression on these kinds of platforms is not the right. It's not, you know, the Nazis. It's not the commies. It's uh, the corporate interests who are trying to, after YouTube was essentially, if YouTube was essentially built up by the people who upload videos on it, and now that they've got themselves into a certain position, they want that big, sweet corporate money and in exchange, they have to eliminate the competition. So if you're not commercially viable, we, we kick you the fuck off. We get you the fuck out of here, right? Because we've got too much money riding on this thing. The corporate interests, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't it lovely? Um, Where should we go from here? We've nearly gone two hours. I tell you what, I did promise to piss everybody off. Yes, James R. is on DLive. Uh, DLive.tv slash RealPersonPLTCS. I did promise to piss everybody off, so let's do it, shall we? Let's, 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 let's fucking confirm. <laughs> let's confirm that we're going to get kicked off. Trump signs executive order on anti-Semitism that critics say attacks free speech. President Donald Trump signed an executive order on Wednesday designed to cut off aid to colleges that tolerate anti-Semitism, though some critics called it an effort to stifle free speech and criticism of Israel. 
This is our message to universities. If you want to accept the tremendous amount of federal dollars that you get every year, you must reject anti-Semitism. Trump said during a Hanukkah reception at the White House where he signed the executive order. The order basically aims to extend the scope of the section in the Civil Rights Act that prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, colour and national origin. National origin. It would now include anti-Semitic hate. They actually put it in commas. Trump said during the signing ceremony, a White House statement said the order is written to as so as to enshrine the definition from the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance of anti-Semitism into an executive order and clarify that Title VI of the 1964 Civil Rights Act applies to anti-Semitic acts. Thank you for coming. I'll see, see you, you in hell. Thanks. Thanks for the follow. See, now see, I see people like, way to go. That's awesome. That's great. Is it though? There's a problem here. Before we jump on the uh, cheerleading bandwagon, there are things to consider. Need to give a tip of the hat to uh, a YouTube creator who has been kicked off YouTube so many times, I don't even know what number account he's up to, a guy named Davy Crocker, who went and got the definition of anti-Semitism from the government website. As is often the case with things like this, the devil is most often in the details so, look, anybody who knows this show for a long time knows that I'm not somebody who's like, oh, I can hate the Jews and stuff. But what I will do is poke holes. I will prod people who protect sacred cows. That's obvious. Uh, the mantra on this show has always been, I'm against political correctness. And I don't... I don't necessarily differentiate between the political correctness on the left and the political correctness on the right. And for a lot of people on the right, this topic is political correctness. This is the sacred cow. This is the stuff that you must not ever talk about. You must never make any jokes. You can't say anything that might be offensive, any kind of uh, joking or offensive or any questioning whatsoever. You just get called a racist which is exactly the kind of PC uh, programming that we see on the left in regards to other people in society. So my, my, you know, my ire is always reserved for political correctness, whether it's on the left or the right, because I see it as a problem. And I, I, I'm not going to favourite this, this kind of political correctness over that kind of political correctness. No, it's all shit, as far as I'm concerned. It all has to go. If we really value free speech, if we really value individual liberty, if we really value, you know, fuck the PC culture, then you have to be with me. Otherwise, you're just faking it. So uh, David Crocco put out this little video on Twitter earlier, how they define anti-Semitism in this new executive order. So I'll just play a little bit of this. In his definition. Accusing Jews as people of being responsible for real or imagined wrongdoing committed by a single Jewish person or group. You say that, you're anti-Semitic. Denying the fact, scope, mechanisms, or intentionality of the genocide of Jewish people at the hands of the National Socialist German Army. The Nazis, they're trying to say. Any questioning of the story of the Holocaust whatsoever you are now determined to be an anti-Semitic. You, you hate the Jews if you do that. Now, for me, it's not even a case of 
I, it's not the case. For me, the argument is not was the Holocaust real or not. For me, the argument is why are people banned from questioning it? Why are people no longer in the free world allowed to question a historical event? That makes my eye twitch because I always fall back to my default programming, which is you should always be more wary of those seeking to silence an opinion than of those whose opinion they are seeking to silence. Do you follow me? I'm more concerned with the person who says that person over there shouldn't be allowed to speak and he needs to shut up rather than what the person is saying, like the person who's speaking in the first place. If you point, if you look at me and say, see that person over there, he's saying awful things that you must not hear. You're not allowed to hear them and he's not allowed to say them. My, my instinctive reaction is to go up to the person that you're talking about and say, tell me what you got to say. Because this guy is obviously very passionate about not letting anybody hear it. So it must be of some value. I need to hear this. It's like the modern day testimonial on any book or anything now. You know, once upon a time, they figured out, the record companies figured out, if they put expletive, like if they put, uh, you know, offensive language stamps on CDs, kids are more likely to buy them. Even if the language on the CD isn't really that bad. If they put warning, uh, offensive language, a warning, foul language, kids will be like, I need to have it. I must have this CD. And the CD, they could be singing about rainbows and, lolly, uh, rainbows and lollipops, for all we know. Warning, disgusting language. Mum, 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 I want it, I want it. Same thing applies here. Just in a little adult version. So if... So if the government is now legislating rules against anti-Semitism. That's one thing. I thought we already had rules about discrimination on the books, putting that to one side. But if anti-Semitism is defined as, say, people, you know, questioning historical events that turns you into an, a racist, then that's a concern. That is a direct attack on the principles of the First Amendment, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't care who signed the executive order. I don't care if Donald Trump did 90, 99 other good things today. I don't care if he trolled somebody on Twitter and he helped an old lady across the road with her shopping. If they are writing this into law and in any way, shape or form coming close to legitimizing these kinds of stifling, chilling effects on free speech, then sorry, that's a, that's a cross in the column. Let me take you to something that I've played before. Somebody who can explain it in a far better fashion than I can. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to play this clip again. The late, great Christopher Hitchens, ladies and gentlemen, in one of the speeches which I would regard as part of his opus on free speech. Please allow me, if you would, give me the patience of a few minutes of your time to show you through the, the magic of YouTube... <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure this video will be removed at some point, so we better get the, make the most of it whilst, whilst we can, um, through the magic of YouTube, show you exactly how from the grave Christopher Hitchens can explain to people who are cheering these kinds of laws being proposed and acted on why a guy from the grave can prove to you with just a little bit of common sense and a whole lot of charisma why it's a fucking stupid idea. Let's have a look. Fire! 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 Now you've heard it. 
not shouted in a crowded theatre, admittedly, as I realise I seem now to have shouted it in the Hogwarts dining room. <laughs> but the, the point is made. Everyone knows the fatuous verdict of uh, the greatly overpraised Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, who asked for an actual example of when it would be proper to limit speech or define it as an action, gave that of shouting fire in a crowded theatre. It's very often forgotten what he was doing in that case was sending to prison a group of Yiddish-speaking socialists whose literature was printed in a language most Americans couldn't read, opposing President Wilson's participation in the First World War and the dragging of the United States into this sanguinary conflict which the Yiddish-speaking socialists had fled from Russia to escape. In fact, it could be just as plausibly argued that the Yiddish-speaking socialists who were jailed by the excellent and overpraised Judge Oliver Wendell Holmes were the real firefighters, were the ones who were shouting fire when there really was fire in a very crowded theater indeed. And who is to decide? Well, keep that question if you would, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I hope I may say comrades and friends, before your minds. I exempt myself from the speaker's kind offer of protection that was uh, so generously proffered at the opening of this evening. Anyone who wants to say anything abusive about or to me is quite free to do so, and welcome, in fact, at their own risk. <laughs> and, um, but before they do that, they must have taken, as I'm sure we all should, a short refresher course in the classic texts on this matter, which are John Milton's Areopagitica, Areopagitica being the great hill of Athens for discussion and free expression, um, Thomas Paine's introduction to the Age of Reason, and I would say a John Stuart Mill's essay on liberty, in which it is variously said, I'll, I'll be very daring and summarize all three of these great gentlemen of the great tradition of especially English liberty, um, in one go. What they say is, it's not just the right of the person who speaks to be heard. It is the right of everyone in the audience to listen and to hear. And every time you silence somebody, you make yourself a prisoner of your own action because you deny yourself the right to hear something. In other words, your own right to hear and be exposed is as much involved in all these cases as is the right of the other to voice his or her view. Indeed, as John Stuart Mill said, if all in society were agreed on the truth and beauty and value of one proposition, all except one person, it would be most important, in fact, it would become even more important that that one heretic be heard because we would still benefit from his perhaps outrageous or appalling view. In more modern times, this has been put, I think, best by a personal heroine of mine, Rosa Luxemburg, who said that the freedom of speech is meaningless unless it means the freedom of the person who thinks differently. Um, my great friend John O'Sullivan, former editor of the National Review, and my, I think probably my most conservative and reactionary Catholic friend, once said, uh, it's a tiny thought experiment, he says, if you hear the Pope saying he believes in God, you think, well, the Pope's doing his job again today. If you hear the Pope saying he's really begun to doubt the existence of God, you begin to think he might be onto something. <laughs> well, if everybody in North America is forced to attend at school, uh, training in sensitivity on Holocaust awareness and is taught to study the final solution 
about which nothing was actually done by this country or North America or the United Kingdom while it was going on. But as, let's say as if in compensation for that, everyone's made to swallow an official and unalterable story of it now. And it's taught as the great moral exemplar, the moral equivalent of the morally lacking elements of the Second World War, the way of stilling our uneasy conscience about that combat. If that's the case with everybody, as it more or less is, and one person gets up and says, you know about this Holocaust, I'm not sure it even happened. In fact, I'm pretty certain it didn't. Indeed, I begin to wonder if the only thing is that the Jews brought a little bit of violence on themselves. That person doesn't just have a right to speak. That person's right to speak must be given extra protection because what he has to say must have taken him some effort to come up with, might be, might contain a grain of historical truth, um, might in any case give people to think about why do they know what they already think they know? How do I know that I know this except that I've always been taught this and never heard anything else? It's always worth establishing first principles. It's always worth saying, what would you do if you met a Flat Earth Society member? Come to think of it, how can I prove the Earth is round? Am I sure about the theory of evolution? I know it's supposed to be true. Here's someone who says there's no such thing. It's all intelligent design. I don't want to interrupt it, but this is the, this is the problem, right? This is what intellectual humility looks like. And you can't have any semblance of intellectual humility unless you admit that you don't know why you know the things you know. So when we ban people from asking questions, we are instilling a culture of never having to know anything. It's, it's counterproductive. It's a paradoxical situation happening. We need to ban people from asking questions about this particular historical event because we already know everything there is to know about it. And anybody who raises any question about it, why they must be doing it because they just hate the person that they're talking about. It is intellectual fraud. And you can obviously see here that he's not himself a Holocaust denier. But we now live in a culture, in a time and a space where just merely defending the right for someone else to be one will get you labelled as one. Is that what we, is that what we want? Is, is this, is this, is this keep on rocking in the free world shit? Or is this the kind of secret police stuff where, hey, that guy down the road there said some things that are pretty pretty egregious. He has these opinions where uh, he's talking about things that we're not allowed to uh, question. We're not allowed to discuss it. So, um, you know, we're not allowed to decide for ourselves what is factual and what is not. We're not allowed to question it. Oh, good. Kick him off. Kick him out of the university. We don't allow that kind of uh, open thought exercises here at the place of learning because we already know everything there is to know. How sure am I of, of my own views? Don't take refuge in the false security of consensus and the feeling that whatever you think, you're bound to be okay because you're in the safely moral majority. One of the proudest moments of my life, that's to say, in the recent past has been defending the British historian David Irving, who is now in prison in Austria for nothing more than the potential of uttering an unwelcome thought on Austrian soil. He didn't actually say anything in Austria. 
He wasn't even accused of saying anything. He was accused of perhaps planning to say something that violated an Austrian law that says only one version of the history of the Second World War may be taught in our brave little Tyrolean Republic. The Republic that gave us Kurt Waldheim as Secretary General of the United Nations, a man wanted in several countries for war crimes. You know, the country that gave, that has Jörg Haider, the leader of its own fascist party, in the cabinet that sent David Irving to jail. You know the uh, two things that have uh, made Austria famous, given it its reputation, by any chance? Just while I've got you. I hope there are some Austrians here to be upset by it. <laughs> well, it, it pity if not, but the two great achievements of Austria are to have convinced the world that Hitler was German and Beethoven was Viennese. <laughs> Now to this proud record they can add, they have the courage finally to face their past and lock up a British historian who's committed no crime except that of thought and writing. And that's a scandal. And I can't find a seconder usually when I propose this, but I don't care. I don't need a seconder. My own opinion is enough for me, and I claim the right to have it defended against any consensus, any majority, anywhere, any place, any time. And anyone who disagrees with this can pick a number, get online, and Kiss my ass. <laughs> I second it. I second it. Without hesitation, I second it. So we're celebrating, ladies and gentlemen, we're celebrating the fact that uh, somebody who would question a historical event can now be labelled as a particular thing and that label can then see them excluded from uh, certain activities that other people who do not question that historical event do not have to suffer. <laughs> right? and, we've, and we've got the balls to call ourselves the free speech movement. Yeah! We love our fucking free speech over here, huh? Give me a break. Got to mean it. You have to mean it. You got to live it. I don't block anybody. I don't ban anybody. Don't engage in that shit. You know why? Because I believe in it. And if somebody wants to get up on a on a stage and cast doubt over something like the Holocaust, then I will say, let the man speak. I'm not going to I'm not going to insult my audience by saying that I'm a pro free speech guy and then clapping and cheering when somebody does the exact opposite. I'm not going to insult my audience and by saying that I'm a pro free speech show and a pro free speech guy when we are celebrating the removal of basic intellectual humility from the discussion. Can't do it. Never. And I don't care who I don't care who the leader is. I don't care what the party is. I don't care what the subject is. I don't care who really believes it. I don't care who gets offended. I don't care what they think or how they think it. I don't care about their reasoning for saying that it's right to remove people from the public square merely because they think something different or say something different or have a different opinion. I don't care how many people disagree with me. None of that matters. I will not lie to you. This will continue to be a free speech podcast for as long as it is allowed to be anywhere for people to digest. And that will not change. This will always be a space that welcomes 
the people that question things that other people say they're not allowed to question. And you can turn around and say, well, that's because you hate. That's because you hate these people. That's because you hate this and that. But I don't care what you think. I don't care why you think that. You are free to say it to me. You can say it to my face and I will not care a jot. Because the principle to me is far more important than any individual within it. Because the principle protects the individuals, even the ones who disagree with it. That's why. So, I hope I have uh, successfully offended enough of you in the audience. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Sorry to end on such a sour note, but uh, it's all turning to shit. And <laughs> we'll just keep doing what we do, man. We'll just keep doing what we do. Uh, thank you for so much for joining us. Thank you for staying up late. Thank you for joining us at the later time. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to tell me that I am a disgusting anti-Semitic bigot who needs to be removed off the internet, then you can do so. Please do by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. And I'll even like the comment. I will even retweet it because that's, that's how I roll. I'll even say thank you for your feedback and with a big smile on my face because I'm not going to engage in such a low-level argument. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. If you'd like to tip the show, thank you for the tips, guys, over on DLive. Uh, in the future, if you'd like to leave a tip for the show, leave a tip in the jar, then you can do so by heading over to dlive.tv slash bumper. Please don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS, who is also on DLive. Uh, Chris Mack got in touch with me earlier today. He's going to be on DLive soon as well. So if you're a fan of Chris Mack's show, don't worry. Chris Mack's show will definitely be on the chopping block on YouTube with some of the guests he has. Anybody who watches Chris Mack knows that he is not long for the YouTube world. So we've successfully dragged him over to DLive as well. He'll be on here shortly. Uh, at Chris, I, I assume it's going to be Chris MC44 on DLive, but stay tuned for that one. Don't forget to follow as well uh, my dear friend Kim at YCensored underscore for tomorrow night, my favorite things. Uh, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, Sunday night, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye bye. Oh, yes, the chest. The chest. Thank you for sticking. Oh, the people who got out early, they're going to miss out on the chest. I'm opening the chest now. Oh, just got in there. How could I forget? <laughs> All right, we're opening the chest. This is overtime. I just, I just got so hot and bothered by the conversation. The chest is being opened, so claim your rewards right now if you're in D-Live. 10 seconds to go to claim your rewards. Get into the chest. There we have it. Thank you for coming. I'll see you in hell. 
So, Mr. Velda, Sebastian 19, Monica, Patience Wright, and Gizmo Rocky take home uh, the juicy, juicy lemons from the opening of the chest today. All right, guys, thanks for reminding me. We ne- I nearly fucked it up again. <laughs> so, we got the chest open. All right, now the real goodbye. Uh, I'll see you Sunday night. Trust and verify. Follow our friends. Stay calm, stay rational. God bless. The chest is open. Uh, we'll see you soon. Bye bye.